Rothschild, June uh, Wallet of Hollister, Hortensia Imnes of Salinas, and Stephanie Thomas of Berkeley. Those final three calls, they made the match. We did it. You did it. $500. Thank you very much. Stay tuned. Cover to cover. You're listening to KPFA, KPFB in Berkeley, KFCF in Fresno, all the time at kpfa.org. Have a great afternoon. Stay tuned for Jennifer Stone. Happy ending, nice and tidy. It's a rule I learned in school. Get your money every Friday. Happy endings are the rule. So divide up. Those in darkness from the ones who walk in light. Light them up, boys, there's your picture. Drop the shadows out of This is Jennifer Stone with Stone's Throw. Today is the 22nd of February, 2011. And, ah, today we're trying to raise money. I know that's boring, but we're going to try anyway. Civilization is not a frill, folks. We have to stay on top of things here at KPFA. Uh, Things... You know, melting around the world, and we need to, we need to keep KPFA alive. <laughs> you know, we get to keep the store open here, folks. Um, I, I'm sure all of you have been glued to the news. But uh, before I get started on that, I just wanted to say we do have marathon today. We're doing a fundraiser, and you know the phone number. You heard Philip. I heard him in there pledging, he was asking you to pledge, and he was trying to persuade you uh, to send us your money at uh, 1-800-439-5732. You can also go online, KPFA, let's see, is it dot.org? I don't think that's it. No, that's wrong. Can't be right. Can't be right, people. One of these days, somebody's going to help me, uh, figure out how to pitch www.kpfa.org anyway I just want to tell you there's a book of mine called Telegraph Avenue Then along with a 3D set uh, audio set the book and the CDs are Telegraph Avenue Then the book for $60 both both the CD set and the book for $90 that's in case you're so anxious to so anxious to call uh that you can't wait until the end of the show when I will ask my friend Veronica to come in here and help me pitch. In the meantime, I just wanted you all to notice that, uh, you know, that uh, the pharaohs are falling. How about that? The pharaohs are falling everywhere. Uh, the day of the dictator is done. 
car. I'm not sure about it, but looks like it. Uh, I I try to think of something wise and philosophical to say about this history thing. You know, we're caught in history's hinge, but it's obvious we're going to have to wait a while and see. Uh, right now, I'm pretty much um, pretty much preoccupied by the. All the blood under the bridge. People, people are dying over there, and uh, it's hard to be too hopeful. Um, I, uh, I started out as a revolutionary, but <laughs> I'm not. I'm not sure. If you, if you have any serious questions about uh, Egypt, I recommend to you the editor of the New Yorker, David Remnick. I think that he spells it out pretty good in Talk of the Town. This is the February 14th Valentine's Day issue of The New Yorker. And uh, what he really explains is our relationship with Egypt, which is not, I would say, a very ethical relationship. But, you know, when it comes to real politic... uh, we got to face, face what America has become. Anyway, uh, maybe we have time to read that someday. I have it here with the note, Bye, Pharaoh, honey. I think that was a, uh, a song back in the 50s, if I remember. Bye, Pharaoh, honey. Egypt today, Libya tomorrow. Um, <laughs> this article's funny. It's all about... Uh, these dictators having their souls weighed on the scales. Remember Osiris, the great uh, Egyptian god. He had to weigh the the souls of these folks, you know. And uh, comes uh, comes out that um, <laughs> they they could have done better by their people. Years ago, there was an essay by the late great journalist Oriana Falacci. She is a uh, uh, journalist who uh, she's become politically incorrect because she's not not uh, sympathetic to the gay cause. I noticed, but she wrote a hilarious essay about Muammar Gaddafi, uh, Colonel Gaddafi, and I remember thinking how funny it was, but. Uh, today, when we listen to him going publicly quite mad, uh, it's hard to think that these these things are funny anymore. She describes going in to meet him, and his people had persuaded her to cover her head and and uh, <laughs> be be respectable. And when she got into the interview, she whipped off her uh, so-called veil and. They had a big confrontation, and uh, uh, she seemed to be challenging his manhood. Anyway, she came to the conclusion that he was completely mad. Uh, nuts, actually. And, uh, you know, he had all these strange idiosyncrasies. Uh, we see this now. Uh, he must be, oh, in his 70s, I'm sure, at least. Uh, what I remember... Back in the day, let's see, Reagan. You remember Ronald Reagan bombed Gaddafi's home a long time ago, uh, killing a, a little child, I believe it was a little girl, an adopted child, Gaddafi's child. Gaddafi was not at home at the time. <coughs> I remember 
his wife. She looked like a great Mediterranean goddess, and she cursed the Reagan people uh, on to the generations for having done this. And I thought, you know, if you bomb the home of a head of state and kill one of his children, you can expect some heavy-duty response, which, of course, uh, yes... Uh, the Lockerbie bombing. Never mind, never mind. Um, tyrant. What I like about Oriana Falacci and her interpretation of these people, uh, she has collections, books of essays, uh, about all the great, great, so-called great people in the world, is her anger, her rage, because a handful of people have our lives in their hands, uh, the absurd tragedies of millions of lives, you know, uh, she says that, uh, you know, we, we need to discover that they're ordinary mortals like ourselves. On the other hand, if they say die, we shall die. If they say live, we shall live. Anyway, she says our existence is decided by a few people by their dreams, their caprices, their initiative and will. You know, their ideas and discoveries, revolutions, wars. Anyway, uh, I always call this, uh, yes, the ruler with an iron whim. The whims of these people. Now, the king thing, you know, we thought we'd outgrown that. We came here to these shores, some of us, um, I didn't get here until, oh, let's see, two generations ago. But anyway, our uh, our forefathers, you know, they came here and they said that we weren't going to have the king thing. Which is pretty funny because, of course, we still had masters and slaves. But uh, we did write, you know, the document that said that the king thing was over. All gone, you know, we're not going to have that anymore. Uh I don't know. Um, Ariana Falacci goes on and on in her uh, essays and notebooks about, you know, whether or not we would ever have had Marxism without Karl Marx and whether or not, uh, you know, these individuals changed the world. Uh, I remember thinking once that if Hitler's niece had not died so tragically, apparently a suicide... When he was young, she was the great love of his life. You know how that is. It's the butterfly thing, you know. If some something had been slightly different, we would not be going through these agonies. Uh, Muammar Gaddafi had, uh, well, he has, post-traumatic stress syndrome. <laughs> Saddam Hussein certainly did. Anyway, uh, I don't know. Uh, Falachi says that we depend on the good faith of Julius Caesar, Spartacus, Xerxes, you know, that kind of thing. She says, of course, we don't really know any of this stuff. Uh, uh, we don't know whether Jesus said the things that Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John wrote down. Uh, and uh, so her conclusion is that today... Things are better because we've got tape recorders. I would argue with her about that. But she says at least we can capture the voices and ideas. Uh, 
You know, imagine if we could take down in shorthand, she says, what Joan of Arc declared at her trial. If somebody had been able to question Cromwell and Napoleon in front of a movie camera. She says she does not trust news handed down by word of mouth. I don't know. We all know that history is written by the winners. And uh, I'm sure that uh, when today's events come to be reviewed, uh, (laughs) there will be all kinds of changes. I remember years and years ago, trying to remember when Gaddafi came to power 40 years ago, 41 years ago, my then mother-in-law was living in Tripoli in in uh, in Libya. Right, that's right. She was married to a businessman, an Italian businessman. Uh, he had come to America after World War II, and there they were over there. And she said that the military, she was left alone being an American citizen. Uh, the military came to her neighbor's house, and these were Gaddafi's folks, and she said that they took away her neighbors, uh, some of the goods there, took away the silverware, but they came back and gave the woman, the neighbor, uh, one place setting, knife, fork, spoon, one thing each. And I said, I, I thought that was wonderful. She was, of course, uh, <laughs> a little testy with me. She thought that was terrible, you know. She was... Uh, not quite a Republican, but bordering, let's say. Uh, anyway, uh, she thought it was a shocking thing to do, and I said it sounded like maybe there was such a thing as socialist idealism. In the beginning of Muammar Gaddafi's reign, I have only seen one film of Muammar Gaddafi himself. Years ago, it was a short film in which he was instructing elementary school students. And he stood up in front of the class and he explained all the ways in which human beings could share the wealth. And I thought, gee, you know, he certainly talks a good game. I don't know. um, uh, As Oriana Falaci indicates, this guy is not someone to be trusted and he's obviously... uh, Not, perhaps, in his right mind, the whole notion of taking a stand and what was his son said, you know, until the last bullet. Yes, that's pretty grim. Uh, Falaci says that what she understands, what she cares about, is the people who oppose power, who criticize power, who contest power. Uh, She says that she looks on disobedience toward the oppressive as the only way to use the miracle of having been born. She says, I have always looked on the silence of those who do not react or who indeed applaud as the death of any man or woman. She says, for her, the most beautiful monument to human dignity is the one she saw on a hill in the Peloponnesus. She said, not a statue, not a flag, three letters that in Greek signify no, spelled O-X-I. She said, men thirsting for freedom had written them among the trees during the Nazi fascist occupation and for 30 years that no remained there unfaded by sun or rain. 
Then kernels obliterated it with a stroke of whitewash, but almost magically, immediately, the sun and the rain dissolved the whitewash, so that day by day, those three letters reappeared on the surface. Stubborn, desperate, indelible. Once again, if you can find Oriana Falaci's interview with Muammar Gaddafi, that will tell you what you need to know about him <laughs> and... Egypt, once again, check out the New Yorker for February the 14th. The editor, David Remnick, has wonderful things to say. Uh, what I want to read you before I get off the air is a little piece of our premium today. Uh, uh, all is vanity. It's a book of my own. It's called Telegraph Avenue Then. And we have some copies here for... Those of you who are interested, this book is basically a memoir. Uh, that was the, the uh, what is it, the style in the 70s. I wrote this, well, it, these are basically uh, notes from the years 1966 through 1977. It's I was trying to figure out a kind of little oversoul. Uh, the women's movement was getting into my... My emotional makeup is a problem. Uh, <laughs> yes. Uh, oh, yes. Uh, I uh, I remember my 13-year-old studying my problems, yes. He said, if there were no suffering, it would be necessary for you to invent it. Anyway, uh, I complained about having to take care of him and raise children, you know, on my own. He says, so if I'd been around the house when Picasso tried to paint, then Picasso would have turned out to be a sidewalk painter. Is that about right? Anyway, I said, it's just possible, dear, that if Pablo Picasso had been a mother or even a woman, she'd never have painted S. And then I went on to tell him what it meant to be a Spanish woman in the 19th century. <laughs> anyway... I said, no, uh, Spanish woman, well, most Spanish women wouldn't have been able to go and live in Paris and uh, ah, be Picasso. He told me that uh, a real artist never lets go of the vision. I think he means that. No excuses. We do what we can. The results are none of our business. Uh Here's a note from 1974. This is about midway in the middle of this book, Telegraph Avenue Then, written by yours truly, Jennifer Stone. I was born in 1933, in December on the day Prohibition was repealed. Yes, I thought that meant the rules did not apply to me, but I was wrong. There was a national holiday. Everyone got drunk. No more prohibition. It was the height of the Great Depression. Now, I've always thought there's a distinct relationship between alcoholism and depression. A brain boiled in booze goes soft and the bottom falls out. Of course, the Great Depression was the economic depression of the 1930s in which I was born, not the psychic depression of the 70s in which I now live. Remember, this was back in 74. Between that depression, the economic, and this, the psychic, there was World War II. Before that war, it was the money that mattered. <laughs> Footnote here, today, that's all that matters. Oh, back in the 70s, it was the mind that gave us trouble. 
I've been worming into World War Two during the last few years, writing poems about Dresden and Dunkirk, and Hiroshima and Knossosin Crete and Nebraska and the Nile River and cavalry in Buchenwald and Britain. Hmm. In Britain, there was Winston Churchill. He demanded unconditional surrender, so the war just kept going and going. Those were the years of my nymphhood, the period between the age of dolls and the age of despair. I did not understand that the loss of my personal innocence was a national or world phenomenon, not that corruption and evil were anything new, only that they were happening to more people at the same time than ever before. Never before had so many suffered so much for so little. Never before had there been so much collective guilt, that sort of thing. No one in particular was to blame, not me, I don't think. Not Truman, not the scientists, or even the Nazis. They didn't know what that bomb would do until they tried it out. I felt the same way about everything happening in my life. I wanted to do it my way, just to see what would happen. Later on, I told the story any way it suited me. I made it up the way history is made up. If history is the collective prejudices of the ruling class at any given time, then my story is the private lie I present to the world. Now, this passage goes on at great length, basically saying that uh, we're trying well, you know, back in the 70s, we were pleading innocent to crimes we didn't commit, that men have tried to master the earth and master each other. They've tried to save the earth and help each other. We can't leave anything the hell alone. The ancient people warned us. The artists warned us. We eat of the tree and we die. Um, that is the end of the passage. <laughs> oh my, the 70s were a grim period for me. My friend Veronica's here and I want to ask her what she did in the 70s. What did you learn in the 70s, Veronica? You, you're, you're not old like me. You're, you're, uh, I guess you're middle-aged. Can you be middle-aged, dear? Well, I'll be 62, Jennifer. 62. And I, what I did was um, avoided taking LSD. Oh, wow. Experimented, had a baby, blah, blah, you know? Okay, but uh, this is not why I'm here. I'm here to... to um, we're we're going to talk about the fact that KPFA is in its winter fund drive. The telephone numbers are 510 848 Five seven three two, or one eight hundred four three nine five seven three two, and I'm, I'm telling you those numbers because what we want you to do is go and pick up the phone and call and pledge. You can get for sixty dollars the book Telegraph Avenue then, and I want you to know it's well worth it. Or you can get the three D set Telegraph Avenue then, then which is Jennifer reading. For $90. And why don't you get both? You can give one to uh, somebody who's enjoying books or keep the book and give somebody who, uh, you know, is one of those 30-some multitaskers who drives all over the place to work. And Jennifer, um, KPFA 
is a wonderful institution, and I want people to take uh, go ahead and take responsibility for ownership. It's your radio station, and for 30 minutes on Tuesday, you get to have Jennifer also. And if you get these books, um, the book, Telegraph Avenue then, or the CD, you can have her basically any time you like. So, Jennifer, what do you think about this? Uh, yeah, I just thought the other day, you know, that... Uh, we have to remind people that, um, what is it, literature, uh, the people who founded this station, while they were, of course, political activists, they were um, uh, war resistors, and that was their modus operandi, their um, raison d'etre, but they believed that it was the arts, the culture, the poetry, you know, all that good stuff. That was going to change the world. That's yes. what I was raised on. I think sometimes here at KPFA, um, you know, we even lose sight of it. I, I know we only have, what is it? We have a, a rather small portion of the time here on KPFA. And public affairs, of course, is always uh, the most important thing, you know, but it isn't the only thing. What is that? Somebody said, you know, what is it? Uh, politics is beyond, politics is beyond morality, but it's never a it. Definitely, it's not above it. And what we want you to do is go pick up the phone. If you're driving, go ahead and pull over. This is important. We want to keep Jennifer on the air. And by the way, Jennifer has been volunteering for how many years, Jennifer? Oh, God, I came in 81. She is a absolute national jewel. 30 years? And yes, that's been a long time, Jennifer. Oh, my God. And if you're listening to me, that means that you appreciate Jennifer. You appreciate her willingness to share her intellect with you. On a regular basis. So go ahead. We want to. Uh, I'd like to see five people on the phone at least. Okay. The telephone number 510-848-5732 or 1-800-439-5732. And as I said, it's the book Telegraph Avenue then for $60. Jennifer promises to sign it. Oh, right. I'm signing copies. And also you can get. The same uh, information, the memoirs on a three CD set for $90. So I haven't seen the phone light up yet. Go ahead, pick up the phone. We know you're out there. I can see you, as a matter of fact. You didn't know I had that talent. The telephone number, 510-848-5732 or 1-800-439-5732. We don't want to just depend on the other shows to keep things going. Demonstrate how much you love Jennifer by going and picking up the phone. I want to see at least five lights before we have about three minutes uh, before we have to sign off and FSRN comes in here, the telephone number 510-848-5732 or 1-800-439-5732. I want to thank Veronica for making copies of these, uh, the CDs, uh, running these off for me. I... I'm trying to be what I would call a, a practical woman in my old age, but I definitely find that, uh, what is it, these things, these things overwhelm me, get beyond me. I'm not a very good fundraiser. I, I didn't, I remember when I went to college, we were shocked over there at Mills College. Uh, they, they put in something called a merchandising major. And why? Well, we had, we oh, had. There's, uh, there's one caller. Oh, there's two callers. All right. Let's keep it going here. Sorry to interrupt, Jennifer, but I'm excited you, about this. Thank you. Thank want you. the people who love Jennifer to represent. We want you to show up. 
and express your appreciation by uh, donating money and keeping the station and Jennifer going, by the way. Yeah, I keep telling you, yes. Aesthetics, folks, is the mother of ethics. We got to be, we got to be culture vultures here. Uh, anybody who has a HBO, I want to, I just forgot to tell you, there's a terrific show. Uh, some of it's wrong, but it's uh, got Tommy Lee Jones and it's got... Uh, Samuel Jackson's called the Sunset Limited. It's all uh, an argument for suicide. I thought it was terrific. I watched it twice last night in the middle of the night, and my head's still ringing. Tommy Lee Jones is the the uh, white intellectual, the professor, and uh, Samuel uh, Jackson plays the ex-con Bible scholar. And it's all about reasons to keep on living, which, of course, means we have to keep KPFA going. And, and it's not a comedy. Come on, let's let's have three more callers. The, the number is area code 510-848-5732, 1-800-439-5732. Let's get three more callers on the line here. Show your love for Jennifer because she is willing to come here on a regular basis and share her intellect. How many other people who have had such wonderful experiences in life and who so well read can you experience on a regular basis here at KPFA? It's free, but we have to pay the bills. Again, 510-848-5732. Come on, I know you're out there. 1-800-439-5732. We're just, we're just about out of time. Yeah, we're soaked in the literature, but we, we do we do need your money, folks. We... Uh, we love oh, I forgot all. to mention kpfa.org. Securely, right. you can pledge online. Remember, you can call us later on today if you haven't had a chance to do so far. Everybody in the phone room is waiting for you in there. And uh, we'll be back again next week at the same time. Till then, you go easy. And if you can't go easy, go as easy as you can.